Welcome to the Business Bookshelf Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. Like you, I'm a lifetime learner and find books one of the best ways to do this. The purpose of this podcast, then, is to interview authors of new business books, get insights into their thinking, lives, and businesses, all in a like-friendly manner. Before we start, can I ask you if you think someone will benefit from listening to a podcast about authors discussing their books, which, you know, covers a broad range of business-related topics? Then won't you tell them about the podcast? And if you haven't subscribed, then consider doing that as well. So we have something different for you today. I interview Ron Curry about his life growing up in Brooklyn, New York, serving in the Marines, and then spending most of his adult life in Las Vegas. Ron is the author of a book called Tenacity, which chronicles the evolution of the natural-born entrepreneur, a major business figure in Las Vegas for decades. As he just climbed the ladder towards success, he faced a barrage of constraints, including political and police corruption, bribery, coercion, and even death threats. Along the way, he also had a couple of offers to settle matters discreetly with a few well-placed bullets. His, choice, his choices would have life-altering consequences for many. So with that as an introduction, enjoy the interview. Thank you, Lance. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. It's fantastic having you. So, Ron, where am I speaking to you from? I live in Las Vegas. I've lived here since getting out of the Marine Corps in 1973. And so that would put me at uh, almost 50 years. Hmm. Well, I have never been to Las Vegas except for a two-hour stint that I did in the Las Vegas airport, uh, which is you know, not enough, obviously. I'd love to go back. I was on my way to Salt Lake City for an interview and, you know, thinking of moving to Los Angeles. Uh, so, Ryan, when it's not lockdown and the world's not COVID infested, et cetera, what do you like doing around Las Vegas? You know, Las Vegas is a very interesting city. It's not just the Las Vegas Strip and gambling. Many people don't realize we have approximately 2 million residents that live here. You can drive at certain times of the year. 45 minutes up into Mount Charleston and go snow skiing or snowboarding or drive the other direction towards Lake Mead and go water skiing. Wow. Of course, only during certain times will you find snow and warm enough water to water ski, but it is quite an, a, a dramatic difference in climate as you go up 10,000 feet or down to Lake Mead, which, uh, is one of the largest man-made lakes in the, in the world. Uh, so within Las Vegas, aside from just being a, a gambling, loving tourist, uh, there are parks, ponds, fishing, uh, hunting. There's a great deal of target shooting because we have so much desert area. People yes. go to indoor ranges or, or outside and, and shoot at fruit or, or cans and bottles. I personally enjoy, since uh, getting ill and not being able to stay active with racquetball or, or tennis, I enjoy uh, playing competitive poker. Oh, I wow. discovered it after my surgery. I discovered it online. I enjoyed it. And I improved my skills to the point I was comfortable at a higher limit cash game and play poker twice a, day, uh, twice a week. At sure. uh, my favorite place is the Bellagio Hotel. They've got a great poker room, and uh, 
I enjoy the competitive nature of it and the opportunity to earn some uh, nice dollars. And, and how much have you won before? No one listens well, to this I, podcast, so you don't have to worry. It's okay. I, <laughs> I, what I, when I won $40,000 in the tournament, I had to file an IRS form before collecting the cash. So there are no secrets. Huh. But, uh, That's in, amazing. In, uh, in tournament play, there's great opportunities, but you have to beat a couple of hundred people to get to the cash, uh, which is why for the last couple of years, especially since getting my dog, I didn't want to be tied up for 12 or 14 hours a day in a tournament setting. Yeah. I like going in and playing four or five hours on a cash game and uh, win or lose, enjoy the experience. I don't go in it to earn money. I'm fortunate enough that my business ventures and my investments pay me uh, a nice steady income in real estate rentals, etc. So I play poker and if I win or lose, it's not life altering, but it's a good challenge. And you meet great, great people. Well, Las Vegas is definitely not the city to develop a gambling addiction. <laughs> no, no, people addicted to gambling should not live here. It's just, definitely it's not. Everywhere, so. so, Ron, congratulations on your book, Tenacity. Um, what led you to writing the book? Did you, you know, want to write a memoir of your, you know, your life? I, I read your book, really, really enjoyed it. And can you give us a brief overview of the book? Yes, Lance. The way the book evolved. Uh, the centerpiece of my story is being a businessman in the uh, gaming tavern restaurant business when I was falsely accused by an employee of something. But the location I had built was in a city jurisdiction adjacent to Las Vegas that contained uh, a corrupt council member who was competing with me in private business and used these false claims against me to drum up untrue felony charges. And how I overcame that hurdle in life to clear my name and actually send my accuser to prison is the centerpiece of my book. Mm. And as I was working with the four attorneys to over a two year period, to work on how to dispel the claims being made, how to prove them wrong in court. One of the attorneys who was a former federal prosecutor whose opinions I give great weight to said to me, you know, Ron, when this is all over, this will make one heck of a book. Yeah. And it planted the seed in my mind that if the centerpiece of the book were running my gaming tavern, having these claims made against me by an employee who I caught stealing and he used the defense of accused the accuser, turned it around on me in a city that would grab those fake charges and actually filed charges against me and how we cleared my name in an undercover operation to prove him to be the true liar. That was the centerpiece of the book. And as I started to write it, it, it was suggested by an editor reviewer that I retain that telling my life story of growing up in Brooklyn, going into the Marine Corps and coming to Las Vegas after my service and building 20 businesses over the course of 45 years would be a very interesting story to many people. Hmm. Uh, 
with the drama of the uh, corrupt councilman, a corrupt police captain in that city who would run with the ball, as it were. And uh, I mean, of course, I don't want to give away everything so no one goes to get the book. But <laughs> I, I have received many comments in the hundreds from people who have done reviews and found the story to be entertaining, compelling, and inspirational in some ways for people yeah. who dream about going into business for themselves. Awesome. Uh, it sounds like a John Grisham novel. And, you know, I, I'm lucky to be able to see you uh, on our Zoom call. And I think Tom Selleck would play a good role for you when it's made into a movie. Uh, that's very interesting. <laughs> yes, with the mustache, I've been told that. <laughs> Thank you. I take um, that as a compliment. <laughs> so, Tom, Ron, can we go back to the beginning? Uh, tell us about your upbringing in Brooklyn. I was in a traditional family setting. My mom and dad worked on Wall Street. We lived two subway stops from Wall Street in Brooklyn, right on the uh, Brooklyn end of the Brooklyn Bridge. I grew up in a neighborhood with a group of friends who I am so proud and happy and honored to say we grew up playing stickball in the streets of Brooklyn in, in the 1960s. And we are now uh, approaching 70 years of age and we are all still friends. In fact, wow. I have four or five of them planning a trip from the East Coast to visit me, stay at my home in April next month. Um, and, and we are friends today. Did any of them go to the Marines with you? So why did you join the Marines? And can you tell us about some of your experiences there? Sure. I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps because at the time there was a draft. It was right before President Reagan ended the draft. And I was attending college and dropped below 12 credits by dropping a class I was not enjoying. And I didn't realize that by dropping that class, the draft would grab me. Uh, I thought the draft, you had a deferral if you maintain 12 credits when you enroll, not to keep them throughout the entire course structure. So when I was drafted, rather than being assigned to any random branch of the military and mindful that anyone going into the military at that time was going straight to Vietnam, mm. I opted to void the draft notice by enlisting in what I believe to be the best trained, toughest branch of the military, only so that I might enjoy the finest training available because if I was going to war, I wanted to optimize my chance of survival and coming back in one piece. So I enlisted in the Marine Corps in the end of 1971. I reported for duty in 1972 and uh, scored high on the aptitude test, thanks to the education my parents afforded me yeah. as a youth. And by Scott, scoring so high compared to the others that were testing, I was able to choose my boot camp location Harris Island, South Carolina, or uh, San Diego. I had never been to California, so I opted for San Diego to ah. enjoy Southern California and see what it was all about. So they flew me to California. I began boot camp in March of 72. And one of the greatest things that came out of enlisting, we didn't go to war, the escalation occurred uh, or was announced during my boot camp term. Wow. So while we were all being trained to go to Vietnam, by the time I graduated, no one else was going 
and the president ordered so many thousands, this was President Nixon at the time, ordered so many thousand a month to be withdrawn. Well, a buddy that I met in boot camp, uh, and we ended up being stationed together, his name is Dan Hughes, a loyal and good friend till today. Uh, he and I were stationed together in our last duty station, which was in Barstow, California. It was a two and a half hour drive to Las Vegas, and we would drive to Vegas on weekends. We became uh, fellow Marines, we were buddies, and we moved to Vegas. We were roommates. We ended up getting married to uh, two fine women who, uh, after we got married, we bought houses side by side, wow. stayed close by each other. And after my initial job in Las Vegas as a casino dealer, uh, after a number of years of dealing, I purchased a gaming tavern and invited Dan to be a <clears throat> partner with me. And, and Ron, can I interrupt you very briefly? I just want to go back to your marine life. Very, very sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just want to ask you a very, very important question in that I interviewed a Navy SEAL and I want to know from you, who's tougher, Navy SEALs or Marines? <laughs> it wouldn't be fair to compare, but I will give the Navy SEALs credit. What, what we in the Marine Corps do in the form of training, they go through very thorough training for a much longer period of time. And right. due to that, I, I would not say who is tougher, but the training, <laughs> the training for war with the, with the Navy SEALs is much more detailed and lengthier than training for the Marine Corps. Good. Sorted that out. How's that for a diplomatic response? <laughs> for, the, for the record, he said the Navy SEALs were tougher. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron, sorry to interrupt you. So, you and your friend went off to Las Vegas and you started working there. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we, we, uh, we each got jobs and we worked in uh, typical type jobs. And then I got the urge to go into business for myself. I identified a gaming tavern that I felt uh, I might be able to operate uh, and invited Dan to join me as a partner. And over time, we parlayed that first gaming tavern into seven different businesses over a number of years, wow. which, which were gaming taverns. Uh, Dan's experience was in screen printing. And in Las Vegas, screen printing relates to not only flags and signs, but the old form slot machine, the glasses and the reels that spun with the sevens and cherries and lemons were screen printing. So uh, Dan went to work as a screen printer for a company that provided those parts to slot machine manufacturers and casinos. And as we enjoyed the profits and the excitement of being in business for ourselves in the tavern business, we ended up opening a graphics business using Dan's expertise. Yeah. Opened suburban graphics in the early 1980s. And he and I, with a small business loan from the government, took an initial company of four employees and grew it to 120 employees, wow. doing over, over $12 million a year in sales around the world in gaming graphics work. Hmm. We opened, well done. We opened, opened a number of other businesses together, and, uh, and our friendship remains until today. We'll meet. Every couple of months for lunch and uh, 
and socialize together. That is fantastic. Now, <clears throat> you met Joan, um, <laughs> and I, I imagine uh, in Las Vegas, and I just love the way you describe her when you introduce her in the book. Could you tell us a little <laughs> bit about Joan, uh, how you met her and, and your relationship? Well, I was still in the Marine Corps. I didn't have a lot of income as a serviceman, so I didn't have a lot of clothing. When I flew to the East Coast to visit my parents for Christmas, I was in uniform. And at the time, it was pre-9-11, so people could join you at the gate to wave you off on your departure. And my aunt, who lived in Las Vegas, drove me to the airport and was at the gate with me. And as I went to the flight counter to check in and came back to stay, stand with my aunt until they boarded the plane, she told me that I walk, when I walked by a group of people in the waiting area, this young girl snapped to attention and saluted me. And I looked over <laughs> and she was an attractive young girl about my age who uh -huh. ended up boarding the same plane and coincidentally sitting right behind me. The flight did not have a lot of people on it. And during the flight, I uh, started a conversation with her. We enjoyed a five-hour flight to the East Coast. Um, she was visiting friends who were going to show her around New York because she was uh, raised in Las Vegas. And we exchanged phone numbers. And when I got back to the West Coast some weeks later, I called the number she gave me and we went on a date. We ended up dating for a couple of years and ended up getting married and... Uh, raising three children. Remarkable that we, our paths crossed and it worked out and she was willing to go on a date with me. I mean, you know, some people don't want to date a guy in the military with no hair and uh, <laughs> all kinds of things could have gone wrong. Yeah. But, uh, we, we ultimately were blessed with three children, two we had through normal means and then she had a hysterectomy but wanted another child. So we adopted our youngest ah. and uh, we, we uh, now, unfortunately, while I survived cancer, my wife developed colon cancer and passed away. Yeah. And she never had the opportunity to enjoy our five grandsons that we now have. My wow. daughter, Angela, has two boys. My son, Joseph, has two boys. And Tommy has a young son. And are they all entrepreneurs as well? No, um, no, no. My daughter stays home and raises her sons, and her husband is a very successful businessman. Uh, Joey is a bit of an entrepreneur, but he has traditional jobs in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh -huh. And Tommy was an entrepreneur with a web design and web marketing business he learned in college. And, and the thing about being an entrepreneur is you have to find customers. You have to, you have to complete a job. And if you're working on a job, you're not out there finding your next job. So that's difficult in some cases. And Tom elected to take a traditional job with a real estate fund I'm involved with, uh, which owns multiple properties around the nation. And for um, each property they own, commercial property, they need a website. So it was a perfect marriage between his skill set and what they needed. And the company's delighted with him and he's happy to have a place to go report for work 40 hours a week. Fantastic. And are they, are they, do they live near you or do they live in other parts of the States? Well, Angela and Tommy both live within a five-minute drive of me. Brilliant. And jo Joey ended up uh, moving to Scottsdale. 
and uh, lives in Scottsdale, which is a very short flight from Las Vegas or a four-hour drive in Arizona. And uh, he either visits me here with his wife and two boys, or I occasionally fly there for the day and visit with him. I say oh. for the day because I like to be home at night with my dog. Oh, yes, your dog. Um, my, my parents live five or ten minutes drive from me, and I've got two daughters and it's just amazing the role that my parents play in their lives. They just absolutely love being a grandparents. Do you enjoy that role as well? I, I do enjoy the role. And when my children were younger, I purchased the home around the corner from where I live for my parents so that my mom, who never drove, could walk around the corner and visit Tommy when he was a baby after we adopted him. And uh, my three children love going around the corner to their grandparents' house. You know, having a snack made or just hanging out with them. Joey or Tommy would tool around with my dad in the garage where he had a workbench. He was always working on a project. And I think it's a great experience being able to grow up knowing your grandparents and developing memories to retain with them. Now, I, I am now 68 years old. My parents have passed away. Yeah. But my children have great memories of them. And a grandparent's role is just to spoil the grandchildren. I mean, that's, you can't get a better role than that, surely. <laughs> you don't have to exactly discipline right. them. You don't have to do anything. You just spoil them. Yep, exactly right. And they fill that role very nicely. Um, so, Ron, you mentioned in your book your toughest battle, and you, unfortunately, I'm sorry to you know, obviously hear about Joan, but could you tell us about your battle with cancer and you know how you've overcome that? Yes, I... I used to engage in very thorough annual physical checkups because of a family history with cancer on my dad's side. So my doctor said, if at all possible, you should get very thorough physicals every year. And if you're going to get cancer, benefit from early detection. Mm. So that's what I did for many years. And I always got a clean bill of health. I was in great shape after the Marine Corps. I worked out every day. I ran religiously for exercise. Well, um, at the age of 53, during a scan, they found a very young tumor at the base of my esophagus going into my stomach. And my doctor in Santa Barbara sent me to USC Hospital, where a doctor there specialized in esophageal cancer. I learned through research that esophageal cancer only has an 8% survival rate. Wow. So it did require a rather tenacious attack to try to survive it, since the odds were not with me. Um, I learned that the surgery would take nearly a dozen hours. It would pretty much fillet me. They cut me from my jawline to my belly button. Wow. Took out my esophagus and half my stomach. Uh, put me back together, and after a month in the hospital, sent me back to Las Vegas, and it, it enabled me to survive the last 16 years without, but, but with some life-altering changes. Without an esophagus, one cannot lay flat. They no longer have the esophageal flap to keep their stomach contents down. Mm. So if you ever to, were to lay flat, your mouth would be filled with stomach acid. Oh. So you, you want to never risk aspirating that acid into your lungs and burning your lungs. So it doesn't take a lot of times to know that getting near flat is not a good thing. Your body tells you right away, you need to elevate your torso. 
So I bought an adjustable bed. I don't hang upside down to stretch my spine anymore. And uh, honestly, I'm not complaining. Life is good. I'm happy to be around. Fantastic. So you mentioned tenacity there, and we haven't spoken about the legal case, and maybe we won't on this interview. They'll have to read the book, which, as you said, is the central point of your whole book, which we haven't really touched on. <laughs> but you yeah. spoke about tenacity. So tell me about the role of tenacity throughout your life and how you so you mentioned it in your battle with cancer. How <laughs> else have you been tenacious and overcome things? Well, in, in developing tavern locations, when you, mm. when you do it in a, in a city where you might have obstacles and competition, or in, in my case, in the licensing uh, of it, many people would just say, I'm not going to fight City Hall and walk away. I could not see a good opportunity for Dan and I and not pursue it just because someone was going to put some obstacles in my path. So it was a tenacious attitude finding ways to go through the obstacle, around it or over it. Um, make sure you reward those who act unethically against your interests. Give them some good payback so they may learn a lesson from it. All of those driven causes, I believe, are only demonstrated if you possess a level of tenacity to fight battles where they're called for. Uh, I do want to mention to your listeners that the book, Tenacity, is available on Amazon, mm. or there's a, there's a great deal of information on the website created for the book, which is roncoreyauthor.com, and my last name is spelled C-O-U-R-Y. C-O-U-R-Y. Roncoreyauthor.com. Roncoreyauthor.com, and I'll have that link in the show notes. And the last thing I want to ask you about your life uh, is, and I, I can't get away with this because I, I mentioned in the introduction that you had a couple of offers to settle matters discreetly with a few well-placed bullets. Now, <laughs> please explain. Yes, one of the businesses that I, I saw an opportunity with back in the 1980s was the limousine business. And when I purchased a couple of limos and applied to the governmental agency to, to legally operate, uh, the, some of the companies that were already licensed would do anything to keep people from getting into that business. Yeah. And because I dared to go forward with an application over their objections, um, I found um, my cars get vandalized, um, bullet holes in cars, death threats on my home phone, back when there were phone books and people could look up your name and your phone number. Wow. Um, so, so that's one example. And then I had uh, a neighbor in Brooklyn who was in the mob. My dad helped when he went away to prison for five years. My dad helped as a, a two childhood friends. He oversaw his wife and two kids as he promised he would while he was away. And this fella came back from prison and was in debt to my dad, but my dad never needed anything from him. When he heard in Brooklyn about my battles trying to go into the limousine business, he came out and offered to settle matters for me and promised me that he would see to it that these people objecting to my licensing would never bother me again. I respectfully declined that offer because had anything uh, violent happened to my prospective competitors, 
it would be very transparent that I was involved and that would hurt my gaming license, my realtor license, and my potential limousine license. Yeah. So uh, the book goes into greater detail, of course, and, and I think that's why it may be inspiring for some to read so that when they're faced with obstacles, it might give them the motivation and inspiration to combat those who would deny them what they are rightfully eligible for. And the last thing, I've just been onto your website, so roncurryauthor.com, and I see that Michael Madsen uh, read, read your book on Audible. Yes, when I learned that 25% of all books sold today are purchased in audio form, I wanted to make my audio book something that stood out. So rather than just hiring someone with a good voice to read my book into the program, I searched for an actor that might have a recognizable voice and it would help me market the book. Wow. So when I, when I had my public relations people reach out to some different actors whose voices I knew were recognizable, uh, one of the options I had who was willing to do the job, was not already committed to a film role, was Michael Madsen. So we struck, we struck a financial deal with him. I brought him to Vegas from Malibu and put him in a suite at the Bellagio Hotel and picked him up every morning and drove to the sound studio where we worked eight hours a day for five days. And uh, he, I mean, it's laborious. To, to One would think reading a book into a microphone is no big deal. Yeah. But with the retakes, and as you're reading, you stammer over a word, so you've got to read the line over. It it actually took eight hours a day, five days, wow. to read a book into the system to end up with what will end up being a nine or ten hour audible version. And how is Michael Madsen? Is he a nice guy? <laughs> he's, he's a great guy. I enjoyed meeting him. I took him to dinner each night. We became friends, wow. and he did a great job for me. And anyone who wants to order the book on Amazon in the Audible version yeah. uh, will, will definitely enjoy the way he applies his acting skills and his tone to reading my story in the first person. Absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure of that. You just have to, um, and when the, the death threats happened, I'm sure he puts an extra chill in his voice, like from his movies. <laughs> exactly. His acting skills played a remarkable role. You know, like he would, he would insert in reading a line, he would insert a little giggle or, uh, uh, with, with the slightest change in tone in his voice. His yeah. acting skills would, would contribute a level of emotion to reading a line in my book that made me very happy that I selected him to read Tenacity. Fantastic. So, Ron, it's been a pleasure uh, spending time with you and going through your life and reading your book. And I just want to encourage everyone else to. So, Tenacity, as you said, Audible, Amazon, um, wherever. Uh, and so, Tenacity is the book. It's by Ron uh, Curry, uh, and it's roncurryauthor.com. So, go to all those different areas, and but get the book. It's really worth it, and you'll really enjoy it. So thank you so much, Ron, for joining me and, and the listeners today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lance. It's been a pleasure meeting you. And I hope you, the listener, have found this as interesting as I did. And if you would like to contact me, then please do. My email is lance at ideastorm.co.today. And my website is either businessbookshelfpodcast.com or ideastorm.co.today. But you, know, you can look at that on Apple, et cetera. And if you've got an author, you've read a book that you really enjoy, a business book, um, then let me know. 
and I will try and track down um, the author. Or I'll ask Ron Curry to do it for me. Um, and then uh, interview him for you. So please do that. It's Lance at Ideastorm.ca today. So thank you so much, Ron. Until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Ron. Thank you, Lance. Look me up when you come to Vegas. <laughs> okay, thank you.